Hello, and welcome to Insurance Insights, a podcast from Capgemini Financial Services that looks at the latest trends in the insurance industry through the lens of some of its leading experts. I am Mary Ellen Harn, and today we're going to talk about key findings from the World Insured Tech Report 2020. Joining me are Paul Carroll, Editor-in-Chief of ITL for the Institutes, and Seth Bracklin, Chief Innovation Officer of Insurance for Capgemini's Financial Services. Today's episode is all about the entrance of big techs into the insurance industry and how incumbent insurers are reacting. Well, welcome Seth and Paul. And uh, Seth, let's start by if you could tell us a little bit about your expertise and your role at Capgemini. Sure, Mary Ellen. Thanks. So I am a a 25-year veteran of the insurance industry. I've spent most of my career on sort of what I call the cusp of risk and technology. That is the intersection of insurance as a business and the technology world. So I've been at Capgemini just about seven years now. And and what I do really is I work with our clients around the world to help them understand what's new, to help them understand how their world is changing, and to help them take advantage of the opportunities that technology and a changing economic landscape bring to their businesses. Well, thank you, Seth and Paula. Could you tell us a bit about your background and what you do at the Institutes? Sure. First, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, My background is really journalistic and technology. Uh, I spent 17 years as a reporter and editor at the Wall Street Journal, gravitated toward technology, and tell people that as a result of that, I've really been watching the same movie for the last 35 years since the Wall Street Journal put me on the computer beat in 1986 and I started covering IBM, which really for me was the epicenter of the digital revolution. You could see how poorly they handled the switch to PCs, which caused all sorts of problems and then everything has sort of rippled out from there. I spent seven years as a partner at a consulting firm that pioneered the idea of digital strategy back in the 90s, have written a number of books on innovation And then unlike the vast majority of people I meet in insurance, I chose to be in insurance. I hear so many of these stories about people sort of falling into insurance. But about 10 years ago, I decided that there were four areas that had yet to be turned upside down by digitization, government, healthcare, higher education, and insurance. I met someone who had started insurance thought leadership, which tried to pull together the best thinking from the best thinkers in insurance and thought, oh, someone wants to innovate in insurance, I'm up for that. Uh, A little more than a year ago, the Institute's bought ITL, and I continue to do ITL while integrating with a number of the other events and publishing outlets that the Institute's has been assembling. Well, thank you, Seth and Paul, for joining me. I think this is going to be a really great discussion. So let's just jump into it. So my first question is, big techs are expanding their presence in the insurance industry. How interested are customers in purchasing insurance from big techs? Seth, let's start with you. Thanks, Mary Ellen. And and let me begin by, I think, qualifying what we mean by big techs. When we we use the phrase big tech, we, we always think of the usual suspects, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Apple. I think, you know, in the in the insurance context, I want to expand that definition a little bit. I want to include companies like Intuit, which makes TurboTax and QuickBooks and Rocket Mortgage. I want to include companies like Carvana, which is revolutionizing the car buying experience. 
I want to include companies like Tesla, which is as much a technology company as it is a, a automobile company. And, and I do that for a reason. I love your question, how interested are customers in purchasing insurance? Well, you know, I, I hate to say it because I've been in the industry 25 years, but I've learned, you know, kind of a fundamental lesson, and that's that customers aren't interested in insurance, period. You know, what customers are interested in are the things that insurance protects, whether it be their car, their home, an important purchase, you know, their family in the event something something bad happens. And in that context, you know, insurance is a need as opposed to to really a want. But it's a want, it, it's a need that's associated with a want. And And what we see with big tech is that so many of our wants are in fact coming from these big tech firms, whether it's the new Tesla, whether it's the new home with, you know, paid for by a rocket mortgage. And I think in that context, you know, what we're seeing is a, an incredible opportunity for these firms, these big tech firms, to effectively bundle insurance with the rest of that that new retail experience. I, I almost view it, you know, it, it's, you know, I almost view it like a, a McDonald's, right? So insurance is in many ways like the French fries that comes with the hamburger. And more and more of these companies are learning in the insurance context to say, do you want fries with that? Really interesting analogy, Seth. Um, let's turn now to Paul. Do you have any thoughts on this? Sure. I, I think Seth pretty much nailed it. The way I think about it, the big tech companies are in a lot of ways setting the uh, agenda for the customer experience as they have for a while. I remember sitting down with the CEO of Deer, as in the farm equipment, uh, heavy equipment manufacturer 20 years ago, and he was complaining about how FedEx had set his customers' expectations. He said a customer told him, look, I spent $350,000 with you on a piece of equipment, and you can't tell me to within three months when I'm going to get it. I spent $15 on a FedEx package, and they can tell me to within an hour when it's going to be delivered to, my, to someone the next day. So I think that there is the uh, expectation issue about customer experience. In a lot of ways, people, when they're thinking of insurance or thinking of security, and they're thinking that, well, okay, this insurer has this much money. Well, Google has more money than God. Amazon has a $1.7 trillion market cap. You know, these are companies that are doing super, super well and aren't going to go away. At the same time, as Seth said, which I thought was profound, customers are not interested in buying in insurance. Since I got involved with insurance eight years ago now, I've been telling people that he who sells the least insurance wins. Because there are things that people want, and a hefty insurance policy that's very complicated is not one of them. And then I, I do think that the, we'll get into this a little bit, I think, the, the big tech companies are sort of there everywhere. And people don't necessarily want to go into an insurance office and sit down with an agent and buy a policy. But if they're prompted at the right time as part of these other things that are going on, then uh, they'll certainly be interested in buying. It's that, do you want fries with that? Thanks. Thanks, Paul and Seth, on this. And let's continue on a bit with Paul with our next question, which is, what do you think could be the reasons behind people trusting big techs with their insurance com coverage? Why would they do this? It's, as I said, partly the, the money issue. It's also the brand name. You know, there, there are a lot of insurance companies that spend a lot of money on branding. I, I'm, I'm 
scared to ever think about a gecko or some of these other branding trademarks and so forth that are out there. And I'm sure we're going to get a lot more of them with the Super Bowl coming up here in a few days. I think it's really just that sort of warm and fuzzy feeling that you want to have with your insurer, coupled with the fact that the, the balance sheets on these big tech companies are just not to be believed. And Seth, do you have anything to add on this? Yeah, I do, and it's it's definitely additive. I I completely agree with with what Paul was saying. I, you know, look, when I got into the insurance industry, uh, if you watch TV and you saw the ads for insurance companies, the message the message was a simple one: it's we're going to be around forever, and therefore you can trust us to protect you. And the insurance companies that I would visit in my travels. We're all in big marble buildings on top of big hills, massive structures intended to connote permanence, intended to connote stability, intended to connote a, a certain timelessness. Well, obviously, we're in a different age. We're in a, a technology-driven age where we expect things to change. We expect things to be new. And, and I think that's been an enormous challenge for the fundamental trust equation for insurers. I mean, I think that you know, people's nat- the nature of trust, the nature of trust in brands has fundamentally changed. And, you know, to, to Paul's point about the get-go, we see the insurance companies that do spend billions of dollars on television advertising, you know, focused on brand identities intended to make them seem more fun, more interesting, more playful, as opposed to more permanent. But I think, you know, they're challenged in that regard with the big tech companies who, by virtue of their very existence, are fun, they're exciting, they're new, they're different. And so I think it's a very interesting few years ahead of ahead of us for the industry as this as this brand identity continues to change and as the as the trusted equation continues to change. So so basically what you're both saying is that the entry of big techs in the insurance industry is posing a big challenge to the incumbent insurers. And you're, you're mentioning really talking about how customers are receiving this. Do you think that customers are expecting a big tech-like experience from all the firms they act, interact with, including insurers? And, and sort of what is, the, what is the outcome of this? Paul, why don't, why don't you tell us how traditional insurers and firm, insurance firms are reacting to this? Well, I see a ton, a ton of emphasis these days on the customer experience because I don't think customers are requesting a better experience. I think they're demanding one. Now, there clearly are some limitations. If you're downloading an app on your phone, it's different than getting a an insurance policy, which is basically a contract and needs to have things buttoned up in ways that some of these apps don't have to have. But customers are just demanding that something be simpler. That's why you look at a startup like Lemonade and you can see that what they're doing is really providing an easier customer experience and people are are lapping that up. So I think this is very much driven by customers who have been spoiled, if you will, for 20 some years now by what they can do with their iPhone what they can do on Amazon and are saying, hey, insurers ought to be able to do that as well. And uh, this is all accelerated by what we've gone through with the pandemic, because lots of things that traditionally were done face-to-face haven't been possible face-to-face for a year now, almost. And people are, as they're realizing, oh, they don't have to do something face-to-face, are gravitating toward the digital. And once you start doing that, then 
they sort of uh, start putting you in the same bucket more and more with the, the big tech companies and insisting on that same sort of easy, intuitive experience. And Seth, are you seeing some things like this out in the marketplace? Look, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll give what what for me is one of my favorite examples. You know, if I'm sitting on my couch and I order a pizza and I'm bored, I can watch as the guy delivering my pizza makes his way to my door on a on a map on my phone. If I'm broken down on the side of the road or I've been in a car accident and I call for help, I I, I sit there in silence hoping that someone's going to show up. And you know, the gap in customer experience I think is is very well exemplified by that example. You know, in many respects, you know, on the side of the road is 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 a far more critical time for me than sitting on my couch waiting for that pizza and yet the experience is not is not identical it's not the same and so what i see every insurer that we work with looking to do is to catch up is to begin to provide those seamless meaningful immersive and friendly customer experiences and and by virtue of that maintain those relationships with customers because they expect nothing less I can truly identify with the pizza delivery story that you just mentioned, but let's now turn to so how insurance firms are closely collaborating with InsurTechs. I mean, we're publishing this World InsurTech report precisely because of this. So let's now turn to Paul and, and let's talk a little bit about insurer big tech collaboration. Can you share some thoughts on that, Paul? Sure. I don't see a ton. Seth may well have more uh, examples. I, I don't see it so mo- much as collaboration as what people during the insert, I'm sorry, the internet bubble back in the late 90s referred to as arms suppliers. So I, I see uh, all the big tech companies being very interested in uh, helping insurers uh, touch customers differently, update their backend systems and so forth. But uh, I see the the big tech companies more dabbling in insurance and maybe even taking slices of insurance away. You know, it's not entirely clear what Amazon is going to do with healthcare, but they've started to do some things with essentially a PBM, and they had that venture with Berkshire Hathaway and J.P. Morgan Chase, which didn't go anywhere in particular, but seemed to me to be exploring the space. So I, I think that big tech has been limited to this point. It doesn't want to put up the sort of risk capital that insurers have to. They, big tech likes asset-light businesses, not asset-heavy businesses like insurance. But I see them trying to pick off pieces and then preparing themselves to sell absolutely as much technology into the insurance industry as they can. And Seth, what do you see or anticipate with regard to this type of collaboration? Yeah, I, I think I, I think I largely agree with Paul. I think that you know there was a you know when the insurtech uh, boom started, there was a almost a manifesto like quality to it that I think has subsided a bit. I think that everybody recognizes that the insurance marketplace is complex, that an ecosystem is evolving which will encompass both quote-unquote traditional players, new players, big techs, and the like. And I think we evolve ultimately to a world where companies do what they're good at. 
So we, we talked a lot about customer experience and it's very easy to, to, to jump on the insurance companies and talk about their inability to provide those experiences. But the reality of the fact is insurance companies are extremely good at pricing risk and understanding risk and, and evaluating that risk and taking risk. Because if you can't do that well, you don't survive as an insurer. So, you know, kind of where I see the market evolving is I see radical changes in distribution. I see insurers partnering with other tech firms, be they big techs, insure techs, whatever, to provide incredible experiences and becoming effectively pools of capital with the expertise in taking that risk. Now, that's a long-term evolution, and it will obviously have bumps, bumps in the road. But ultimately, as, as I said, I, I think that we, we're, we're evolving toward an ecosystem where uh, a number of companies do effectively what they're good at. And I totally agree with Paul. I don't think that Amazon or, or Google or, or any of those guys want to get into the capital intensive risk taking business. But I think they do want to be in the customer experience business. I think they do want to be in the distribution business. And I think they I think they have an important role to play there. Thank you, Seth. Paul, do you have any further thoughts to add? Oh, I, the only thing I would try to build on that Seth said is that I think he's exactly right in talking about ecosystems in which companies evolve to do what they're best at. I tell people that the three most important letters in insurance for the future are API, which stands for Application Programming Interface, because that's how your phone works. That's why it's uh, easy for the pieces to work together because there's this defined interface. And I think increasingly the insurance ecosystem, like all ecosystems uh, in the business world, are going to wind up being defined that way. So if you have different departments set up, your claims basically will have an API that fits into the other pieces. And if you then want to pull in some outsider that has a better entire claims process or piece of the claims process or whatever, you can do that. But I think companies will increasingly organize themselves based on a series of interfaces and they internally can do the things that they're best at and then can pull in the pieces from outside that defined by that interface could also fit in and do something better if there is something better available outside. Well, thank you, Seth and Paul, for sharing your thoughts and insights with me. This has certainly been an interesting and thought-provoking discussion. To our listeners, if you found this podcast interesting, please subscribe to Capgemini's Insurance Insights Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more podcasts from Capgemini Financial Services, please subscribe to our Banking Payments and Wealth Spotlight podcast. We'll be back soon to talk more with Seth and Paul about the World InsureTech Report. Our next episode will focus on inventing new value for insurance consumers. In the meantime, please connect with us on LinkedIn and Twitter and visit capgemini.com to download the World InsureTech Report 2020. This podcast has been brought to you by Capgemini Financial Services. Thanks for listening.